2: Cody Garbrandt all of a sudden
3: super relevant again at 135 pounds. My passion's back, you know. A lot of fighters lose that and it's hard to find. I am just so blessed that the Lord has kept me driven, motivated. Cody! No longer... Welcome to UFC Unfiltered. Please tell me
4: that's on video.
2: I've never been happier. I'm made for a fucking (laughs) podcast. That's dangerous. (laughs) Listen to me. We're at it.
4: Welcome to UFC Unfiltered. We're getting started really fast because we wanted to give Cody Garbrand a huge introduction because we haven't had you on the show in a while. But we, we started as you were testing your audio and video, so you're here with us. Uh, thanks for coming back on, man. It is really good to see you, and congratulations on that, uh, that, that win you had. Uh, I forget the date of it, but you looked great your last fight.
3: March. yeah, thanks. Appreciate it, guys. Always a pleasure joining you know, yourself and a and legend and Matt, so uh, I'm excited to be on. Glad we made it work.
4: You, they, they said during that fight, I wanted to, before I forget, because my memory stinks, that you had gotten some kind of a nose surgery. And every time you're on, because I, I, I have such sinus problems, when was it that you got nose surgery, and what did you do? How recent was that?
3: Let's see. I think I got the, well, so was to fight, Haniaya two times, and the dude pulled out weeks before the fight. I had the, we had the same neck injury, and I'm getting the neck procedure done, um, and then, I moved out to Vegas and I went to a couple of doctors and they said I was, you know, allergies. So I went and finally, like for seven months, I was getting crazy sinus infections, super sick all the time, on and off antibiotics. Um, so I went to this, uh, um, what is it, uh, ENT and got my uh, face, uh, basically a, a scan on my nose. My nose had been shattered. And even though I had a broken nose, so the infection was getting trapped behind my cheeks. So I went and had a, a sinus surgery in October after the second time, honey pulled out like two weeks before the fight. And I was going I take a late replacement, and uh, I just you know, know I'm gonna get the surgery done feel better because I was had I had a shit camp. Um but yeah I mean yeah I'm glad I did it because it's it's massively improved a lot of sleep recovery breathing.
4: Yeah, my I, I had something done with my breathing is bad too, um, and I'm I'm always interested in fighters. Amanda Nunes has had a lot of stuff with her breathing, and uh, I mean for you guys especially when you're not breathing properly, I mean that that can really uh, get you hurt uh, in a fight. Yeah.
3: For sure. This, this, uh, you know, fighting is a cardio based sport. You know, the, the one that has the best cardio is usually going to stay technical, going to stay sharps, so, you know, stay more calm, you know, in a three to five round fight. So cardio is everything in our sport.
2: So how does it, now look, you're back in the, in the wind column, man. That's got to feel great. I know what it's like to have a couple L's and then bounce back and it's like, oof! All right, I got that monkey off the back. Let's go straight up from here. So, now we got our nose straight. We got our breathing
3: straight. What's going on with our camp? Where are, where are, we, where are we living now, Cody? Where, where are we training? So I'm, I'm here in Vegas. Uh, I'm here in Vegas. Ended up getting divorced um, last year oh. and moved, moved to Vegas. And, uh, you know, I have a son, so couldn't be far from I left Team Alpha, man. That was extremely difficult. You know, I mean, those are guys who are, I went out there at 1-0. I was 22 years old, went out there. He took me under his wing. I got into the UFC at five and you know, zero. Like I just had a lot, a lot of awesome stuff happen. I mean, I won a world title with them, um, you know. And then you know, life happened. So I, I came here to be with my son, and I was figuring out, you know, the training camp. So I mean, all that stuff happened with the with the with the nose surgery and the neck procedure that I had done. I had three bulging discs uh, from for a while going up, getting that fixed, and it's oncurring um, injury that just keeps reoccurring. Obviously, we train so hard, Matt. You know how it is. Um, there's yeah. always that we we deal with. Uh, so coming out here was a, like an adjustment for sure. Like I had to find new training partners, new new coaches, new team, new kind of, and I'm a creature of habit. I eat the same shit. I sleep at the same time. I watch the t- same TV shows. I mean, I, there's nothing that I don't do that's not, Regimented. So coming out here, I was in a whole just different world, trying to figure out scheduling and and you know training at the PI, you know, and just 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 finding the coaches and teammates that I can you know rely on to show up. Like, hey, we're going at six in the morning. Let's go get the work that are going to show up at time. Like out here, it's different. People train in the middle of the day. Two or three o'clock is the pro practice. I'm like, man, three o'clock. Like you can already have a a two two training sessions in before three o'clock. You know, with Ryan, he has the guys. You know, we train at nine in the morning, so we already have two two sessions in by twelve o'clock. And then if you have the rest of the afternoon to do your life, you can do it. So um, there was a lot of uh, you know just adapting to it, but it's good. It's going good.
2: Can I just Jimmy? Let me just jump in here for a
3: second. Let me just applaud
2: you. on being a an amazing, on being an amazing father. Now it's very, I know how loyal and how close you are with the, the alpha males, the team alpha, I should say. Now team again, alpha. It's a little bit more politically great. But uh <laughs> there's everybody, there's girls there that are alphas, you know. But oh, sure. uh I know that, that was like that was your that was your college man. I mean that that's where you grew up, and I know how close you are, you guys like family. But to move closer and to uproot your whole life for your child. That is a beautiful thing, and as a father, I recognize that, and I think that should be that should be brought up because that's not an easy thing. You you don't want to. I mean, you you moved to Vegas to be closer to your son, correct?
3: For sure, one hundred percent. I moved. That's
2: it. the most honorable thing, Cody. I already held you in very high regard, way even higher now, buddy. I it. Fathers aren't like that, man. Yeah, there's, there's a lot. For them. there's some problems with the 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 misses, and it's like you know what. And they just go along with their life, and now you have a broken child. So I, yeah. I think that's beautiful, man. That's that's great.
3: Yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah, I didn't have a father growing up. And I had a, you know, the Lord blessed me with a great mom. You know, she's did everything for us and, and, and so much for her, my siblings as well. So, you know, I missed out on I wanted to give him everything. I don't want to miss him, you know. Yeah. And becoming, you know, I was a world champion at 25. I had my son at 26. So it was like being trying to be a world champion and do everything that comes with that, you know, understand, you know, the obligations with that. And then being a father, I don't want to miss anything. I mean, I, I was in the hospital and the nurses were in there trying to change my son's diaper. And I was like, oh, I got, you know, like, what's yeah. one diaper? You know, like, I want to do everything. I was bathing him. Like, I just don't want to miss anything. I, he's so special to me. So, uh, I couldn't imagine being away from You know, I just, uh, he gives me strength. You know, he comes to the gym with me. You know, he's, I pick him up from school and he's like, we got to go to the gym today. I'm like, yeah, Kai, you want to, you know, you want to go to Disneyland? You oh. want to buy all these little toys after school at the, tar- he loves going to Target. Oh. You know, I'm like, yeah, we got to work. So, uh, yeah, it's he's he's a blessing, man. But and you know, no, there was no second chances. The only thing I was worried about is you know, obviously leaving and moving, but uh, it makes it better. You know, I get to see him. You know, we we split week on week off. You know, so I get to see him even when I don't have him. You know, on my That's week, great. so it's good, man. Plus technology too. You know, iPads. He he all don't right. really have much of the FaceTime, but he'll like, all right, Dad, I love you. Got to go. Boom. You know, <laughs>
4: like Well, you know, moving, uprooting from, uh, from from Team Alpha and going to Vegas—like, th- had you stayed out there, the distraction of not being around your son—and and it may have done you more damage than getting a new team. So, e- either way, it was a huge issue. Yeah,
3: and actually, I'm going to go back this uh, this camp uh, I just had. You know, last camp, last well, I had three fight camps in the last, what, eight months. You know, I fought one time, but you know, the two, the uh, honey pulled out. Um, he, didn't, he, didn't want, he didn't want that smoke, but, uh, you know, I found another opponent. I had um, Julio Arce, and then he ended up tearing his knee, um, speedy recovery to him. And then five weeks out, we had Trevin Jones uh, replaced because I picked him because it was the only southpaw. I was training yeah. for a southpaw for six weeks, and I'm like, ah, I haven't fought a southpaw in a while and, and and since my debut in the UFC. So I was like, oh, let's, you know, let's have this challenge, you know. Um, and I was working with Dewey Cooper a lot. He's a southball kickboxing, you know. Box. He's he's phenomenal. I really like working with him. Working yeah. with Eric Nixick. Um So I find my own kind of um, it's different. I kind of do my own schedule each week. I have it like I write it down every every Monday or every Sunday, and I have it on this little notepad and just I uh, go through everything my PT, my training. So just just in there. So it's kind of different, you know. Like Alpha Male has kind of set practices and and, and routine. And this one I kind of pick and choose where I need each week, where I need more of, where I need less of. Obviously, it, it varies when I'm in camp, out of camp. Uh, but it's going pretty well, you know. Like I like said I got the win last last camp with everything that I had going on. No excuses. We all go on there injured, and, um, but you know it was good. You know that kid was, you know, he was tough. He had an equalizing, you know, power. You know that's what he was going. He had a lot of good knockouts. So you know, get that win, go from there. Um, going back to 35, I felt really good. So uh, I'm fighting August 19th. And uh, I think it's Boston, Massachusetts yeah. is the um, never been to Boston. So I'm pretty excited for that. And I'm fighting uh, Mario Batista. So this kid's, you know, he's a tough kid. He's uh, finished his last four opponents. Um, he's doing what he's supposed to do in the organization. So I'm excited to uh, go out there and, you know, show him that there's, you know, different kind of levels to this sport and, uh, you know, but props them, you know, it's going to be a great fight. I think he's a talented fighter. I just don't think he's ready for that next jump.
4: I, you looked so good in that Jones fight, too. Um, and and, and you know, everyone was the the, uh, the guys calling the fight were noticing it, how your movement was so good. Your footwork was great. You must have felt really good after that. He had a good third, uh, 29, 28. I thought it was the right uh, call. But you looked incredible in that fight. And they were saying that you hadn't looked that good in a long time, like whatever it was that changed for you. So that must have made you feel good. and You must have noticed that in the fight. He, he literally didn't seem to know what to do with you.
3: Yeah. I felt really good in the fight. Um, you know, I wish he would have brought more of a fight. Um, he feel like he was just, um, second guessing himself. I think just the lucidity and the speed and the footwork. I think a lot of people get wrapped up on my hand speed and power, but also the elusivity and the footwork my feet are faster than my hands. Sometimes, you know, you just see me in a ladder drills. My coach, you know, cracks up cause I'm my, my, my feet get moving so fast. and I kind of like mess up the, the drills, but I, I contribute a lot of my speed and movement and, being able to be defensive um, was, was footwork. So I use a lot of footwork. So it's good to get back to that, you know, um, get back to that. Um, wish you would have drew out a little bit more of, um, you know, some counters and stuff. But like I said, when you have power like that, you just rely on that at all times. You always think, that, all right, it takes one, two shots. I can get them. And that's – he's found success in previous outings with a lot of tough guys. Actually, he knocked Mario Batista out. He knocked some t- t- more um, – to more of the, um, the Russian uh, phenomenal fighters you know and was he was getting his ass kicked and uh he just has that equalizer so he he thought that you know he'd catch me one or two times and, and, and put me out and uh hit me like twice in the fight felt good going in there with some injuries um I ended up warming up doing the shakeout getting the worst stinger um, in my arm so I literally had like one 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 arm in the fight I took the second takedown and find out it was guillotine and got a stinger so the rest of the round I was just had no left arm, but, uh, you know, I, I was smart, I was patient. I remember Coach Dewey was, you know, you know, just saying, stick to the game plan, you know, do do what you do, you know, and uh, it takes two to fight. This dude doesn't want to draw any action. So just keep doing what you're doing, and you're winning the fight. So uh, like I said, it was good to get in there and get the win and excited to, uh, you know, mm-hmm. to keep growing. There, there was a moment in that fight where
4: you do you did something with your with, with your feet i don't know what you would call it, but you're back and forth very quickly and it could be look, looking like you're just kind of having a good time and fucking around and cormier raised a good point he said that might be the way he's just getting himself like getting his feet moving uh because some guys have a way they their exercise where they'll do those weird little movements to actually get their feet moving what was that were you just having a good time or was that like a thing like no you wanted to get your feet moving
3: well there's a couple things that i, I did for for that reason um, you know, in wrestling, we used to always, I had an old school coach. I mean, he was, he, he was, he was very, um, strict on if we are out of bounds and our opponent makes it back to the center of the circle before us, he would give us bear crawls Like we, so it would call get wheeling. you get back to the center and you wait on your opponent and you start wailing, try and just bounce around, get your, keep your feet moving. Um, so that's what I do. I have my, my coaches call out like, Hey, if I'm kind of flat footed or kind of just standing right in front of this opponent get wheeling and wheeling means either um you know do footwork get off on an angle head movement something It just constantly reminds me to not stay stagnant don't stay in front of this and wait for this opponent to either get rhythm or get you know offense going so it helps me just kind of you know stay in the stay in the fight and just keep my feet moving you know okay and then also the second time was to get the to draw something out of them this kid would not I think a lot, a lot of times was the, the kicking attack, you know, Dewey is a, a phenomenal kickboxer, So I had a lot of sharp, fast kicks to my game. And, uh, you know, I think I came out heavy kicking heavy. I really wasn't getting the hands going because I wasn't really getting any offense thrown back at me. So I'm more of a counter striker. So I like to right. draw that out and he just wasn't, you know, I think the speed and lucidity, uh, really played a factor in his uh, non-offensive uh, attack.
2: Yeah. Hey, uh, Cody, I seen something a few weeks back. It might have been longer than that, less than that. I'm shot. But I remember seeing something on your Instagram that made me so happy. It was you and my friend Dominic Cruz not growling at each other, not getting separated, smiling, taking a nice picture together. I was just in Manchester with some of my former rivals. And uh, it's funny. It's funny how a lot of that melts away. I just got a, a, a text yesterday from George St. Pierre said nothing. It was just the latest uh trailer for Ahsoka, the new Star Wars series coming out. We're kind of nerds with that. But anyway, it's funny how you become friends with some of your former rivals. Tell me about that. Because I know you guys used to, you know, you guys had a nice rivalry going.
3: Yeah, for sure. I think, um, I, I mean, me and Dom had a heated rivalry. I think that stemmed a lot. Not even just from being me. Maybe it was the, the persona that I brought up. as a young 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 in the sport you know I was very brash you know outspoken to and he had his rivalry with that team alpha male so I think that's like oh here's another team alpha male member you know this and that so I'm like well I'm different you know I'm different than these guys this is how I kind of you know a lot of them are you know favors not really non-confrontational TJ wasn't very confrontational at the time you know Joe them I'm kind of very outspoken and just brash and kind of wear my heart on the sleeve say what I want at mine maybe sometimes it's not the best to say at that time but uh so we had different personalities, So it was just a conflict. But we, me and Dominic, we ran into each other multiple times after we fought. And, um, you know, we had PT at the PI, you know, at the UFC PI, and He's on the next bed beside me getting worked on. We're just chit-chatting, talking, you know. So this is the first time. I was like, hey, you know what? We're at the USA Wrestling Show and support to the wrestlers. And I was like, hey, let's, let's grab a flick. And we're they're just talking. And uh, Uriah comes up filming. I'm like, hey, you know, hey, break it up, you two break it up. And so Uriah and myself and Dom was there. So it's pretty cool to see how it does come full circle. You know what I mean? Like, obviously, when you share uh, an octagon with a, with another human for 25 minutes, I mean, you have nothing but respect for that guy. You know what I mean? Anybody that I share the octagon, there's always some sort of respect, unless you're TJ. Fuck that guy. But uh everyone else, <laughs> I got I got I got respect for, you know what I mean? Um, but yeah, so it was cool to see that. And you know, he comes from a wrestling background too, so it was cool to see uh a lot of those athletes train. It was good, I man. He actually, you know, was very helpful with uh, some stem cell um company to help me out. Um, you know, getting, you know, sent me the number, the lady messaged me so and Works with her to go down there and get some stem cells after the fight. So uh, you know, I was, I was very grateful for that.
4: Isn't it nice not to have like even no matter where you are in life that awkwardness in a room when a guy is in the room that you're in and you're not speaking and you're not making eye contact. It's just it's such a pain yeah. in the ass. It's so much easier in life to not have that just to be able to say hello to somebody.
3: Yeah, I think I have. You know, obviously when I'm younger, you know, just you're full of piss and vinegar. You know, what I mean, you're just ready to drop the hat. Now I'm like, oh, I got a kid. I you know, I got a check my surroundings in case some shit happens. So uh, I'm more uh, thought out of, you know, if I have to scrap it any point, but, you know, you get paid for it now. So there's no, no, there's really no need to, you know, I go to the PI and sometimes Forrest Griffin's at the front and he's like, Hey, uh, just don't go upstairs. And I was like, Oh, is it closed? You know, is is it the upstairs closed? He's like, no, I just think it's best if you don't go upstairs. And I caught on, I'm like, Forrest, what's going on? Who's up there? He's like, oh, sugar's up there. And I was like, I don't give a fuck about sugar. Like, man, I'm here to get PT in my yeah, training. Yeah. He's like, you know what I mean? It just cracks me up. You know, so I go on there. I'm like, I'm not definitely not trying to put in any uh, any, any bad position. I'm like, we're going to fight one day, and we're going to get paid, and it's going to be great. So, uh, you know, th- those are going to come. Those fights are coming. And, you know, like right. you said, it's nice to go into a room and not have to, like, keep yeah. looking over your shoulder. You know, it's nice, it's right? It's funny,
2: though. It's like when you first broke on the scene on The Ultimate Fighter, even then – you got, I'm because I'm similar. I can I be a little hot headed. Connor uh, McGregor's talking some shit. You want to do something about it? You're like, I'll do something about it, right? Yeah. First one up. First one up. I'll do. People are like, oh, who's this guy?
3: It's funny, yeah. awesome, man.
2: That's Dude, not that a bad was, thing.
3: It's not yeah, a bad thing, man. Somebody's got to step up sometimes. I'm with you, bro. Bro, it was like two weeks of Connor just, man, he was, I mean, he he was, he's, you know, obviously he's, he's quick, you know, with it. You know, he's, he's, yeah. He could tell Faber was not wanting to. He was just, all right, you know, it was about the TJ situation. We were kind of in limbo with the two because TJ just came out and was telling he's with the team, he's, you know, fuck that, He's, you know. And whoever, if he wants to go leave, it was just that he's lying to us saying he's with – you know what I mean? Just be real, like, you know what I mean? Like, it was just the whole situation that got kind of blew out of proportion. Obviously, then he had the ultimate fight with me and TJ, too, and where I was at in my life. Um, You know, so it just – but, yeah, exactly. I was like, man, like, Connor keeps asking for someone to fight, him. I'm – and then it was him and Andre going at it. I'm like, hey, but you want something to do something about, you know, so I'll do it. And then I remember Lorenzo and Dana were like, dude, look, we love you, Cody. Like, I only had two fights in the UFC, so I wasn't shit, you know what I mean? Um, and they're like, you know, we love you, man. We think that you're going to do big things for us in the organization. And he's like, we can't be fighting. You can't be fighting on our, you know, he can't be fighting on all the fighter. I'm like, all right. He goes, you're asked to go to PFL or whatever World Series. At the time. Oh, I, was like, yeah. I was like, all right. So I was on my best behavior after that. Yeah.
4: And uh, we have, our next interview is, is actually in the waiting. Before we let you go to uh, uh, Cody, I wanted to ask you too. moving to Vegas, I get into such trouble in places like I'm so easily distracted. How hard is it or how, how did it take into getting used to in Vegas where you're there full time to not allow the natural distractions to kind of interfere with your mindset?
3: Yeah, you know, I think a lot of people can let that, you know, sway them. They go out to the nightclub, it's like, yo, it's like four o'clock and the next thing you're the after party and they're drinking Luckily, man, I, actually next week I'll be one year sober from alcohol. I still smoke, oh, great. Weed. Still smoke weed, you know, so I'm never giving that up. But, uh, you know, alcohol, I just n- – nothing wrong with it. I just – one, I'm a lightweight. Two, I get hungover so easily. And then also, like, there's no reason for me to be on the club. You know, if I'm just out in the club, I'm just getting in trouble or looking for trouble. You know, this things happen, you know what I mean? Um, so, yeah, for me, it's – I got to have my son. You know, I have other things that I, I do outside of my UFC career. But I eat, sleep, train. This is what I love to do, you know, until this this door closes, you know, there's there's life outside of fighting for me. But right now I'm just focused on, you know, doing what I can do to make the best martial arts. I still grow every day. And that's love. I love about this sport. Like I'm still learning. I'm still hungry, you know, even with the ups and downs of this career, same with life, you know, it's not going to give up on life because I've ups and downs. You know, I truly believe that I have some of the best fights ahead of me, you know, and uh, just, you know, working every day to be a better person, better fighter, better father. Um, so, yeah, I just kind of stayed in my own self. I live out in, in Henderson, tucked in the mountains. Oh, and, yeah. Yeah. I stay away from the strip. I mean, it's it as its perks. It has good food, good coffee spots, good shows, you know, good concerts. A lot of things come here. So I go and do that. I went to the Red Hot Chili Peppers and ate some mushrooms uh, before the, the show. So, yeah, it was pretty fun.
2: Fucking
3: hey, hey, so. Man. So, 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 so stuff like that, you know, for me is, is is I don't need to be in the club. but I'll go out to some concerts and have some fun with friends.
2: It's the little things in life. Yeah. Yeah. Cody, man, come back on soon, dude. You're fighting yeah. August, in Boston. Is that August 19th? I believe? August 19th, yeah. Fuck yeah, man. We'll be watching, dude. And yeah, again,
3: man. Congrats on everything. Congrats on yeah, great, great
4: fight against uh, Jones, man. Congratulations. Yeah, I was man. really happy for <laughs> you, and um, we'll talk again uh, soon, okay?
3: Awesome. Thanks for having me, guys. Anytime, yeah, buddy. Cody. Good talking to you
4: And I'm obsessed with any fighter. We have Gary Owen coming in. Uh, Any fighter who has uh, nose issues, that's all I want to talk about. Because Cody used to do that balloon thing up the nose. Remember he got his guys like six years ago to do that, where they put the balloon and they expand it in your sinuses, and it hurts, but it helps you breathe for a while.
2: That's on top of your head. I think you're thinking of Howie Mandel's first act.
4: (laughs) <laughs> Let's bring in Gary.
2: <laughs> you remember Howie Mandel? Of course you
4: know, I do. He, it would be medical. a medical glove. It was a medical glove he put and on his know, head.
2: And do you know why he used to do that? Because now it makes sense. I heard him on a story. When he first went up to do stand-up, he was a germaphobe his whole life. And he had yeah. those gloves. So he didn't know what to do. So he put that on his face and he blew it up and people started laughing.
4: Oh, I didn't know he carried that uh, because he was a germaphobe. Hey, Gary, how you doing? We just talking about Howie Mandel.
5: Oh, yeah, he's a germaphobe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
2: I was saying how he carries around that the, the gloves and I heard I saw him on a podcast talking about his first time, it might have been on Rogan, talking about how he first went up for stand-up and he had those things and he just put it on and started blowing the thing on his face and the mask. Remember, he blow that thing up. Yeah. Right? right. People started chuckling, and that was his first introduction into stand-up. That's his first getting his toes wet.
4: You I, wonder what he did with microphones too, because Gary, you know you've talked into enough of them. Microphones, when you analyze them, are disgusting fucking uh, guys up there coughing uh, into a mic I mean, you have to t- it's i try not to think about it it's f- so foul a microphone i admire guys who use their own did you ever get like weird or germy about it once in a while when i think about it it fucks me
5: up since COVID, i walk out and i wipe it off you do but I make a joke of it because most comedians are going to do some sexual jokes. Sure. So be like, yeah, he, he talked about sucking dick a little too much. Or he talked about one <laughs> yeah. a little too much, so I'm going to wipe it off. So,
4: But, but, you, but you're, you're literally doing it for practical purposes because it is yeah. a nasty thing.
5: <laughs> for real. Yep.
4: I, I yeah, There's people that will use their own mics, and I'm like, I kind of want to do that. It looks weird to pop it in and pop it out, but ah, it just... T- it's just so fucking disgusting. When you look, you see a piece of food and a microphone. It, it's just really nasty.
5: I never thought about so COVID. I never thought about it.
4: Oh, it didn't occur to you until. Yeah. For some reason, that's one of the, maybe I'm a little more of a germaphobe than I realized. Uh, and thank you for uh, changing uh, from last week to this week. We appreciate it. It was just, we, we, we like to have two guests a show, not three, so we can spend more time with each person.
5: Who who, who did you have last week? We
4: had the co-main event. We had uh, Anthony Smith and we had Johnny Walker, both fighters uh, from the co-main event of the card. Um, And so we wanted to make sure that we get like, we wanted to give you time. We don't wanna just have you for eight minutes and then wrap up.
5: Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a good fight. That was a good fight.
4: It was, yeah. Um, What what did you think? I mean, uh, I I tell you, Johnny Walker is a much calmer fighter than he was. Like, he seems like he's not as wild as he was. He's matured as a fighter. It's kind of nice to see. that a veteran like Anthony Smith wasn't able to, to throw him off and get him to do something stupid.
5: Well, why was, what was said? Cause I heard Anthony Smith's going, you're attacking my family. You attacking my family. I didn't understand where that was coming from. I think Don't know. Uh,
2: personally, I, I, I heard about that. Yeah. I, I heard that. They, and I think he was saying that like, um, to try to hype himself up. Like you're affecting my family with taking food out of their mouth. I think that's where he was coming from, oh, but okay. I'm not positive. Can I just address something really fast? Cause it's throwing me off. Sure. Harry. Now, listen, you can always cut this out if it's wrong. I'm reading about, I'm reading on the notes, and I took a look at it, and then I'm looking at you, and I'm looking back, and I'm looking at you, and I'm like, All right, maybe I'm fucking off in this. Uh, he went on to win the funniest black comedian in San Diego contest. Now, is it,
5: I don't, maybe it's the lighting? What is going on here? <laughs> is, am I off in this? What is happening? Hey, the style Stylebender is the best black to come out of Auckland. Right? Wait,
2: what? <laughs> what is happening? Wait, you went on to win the funniest black comedian in San Diego contest?
5: Yeah, yeah. It was, a, it was a radio call in. It was before oh. the internet. So there was a hip hop station called Z90. And I was in oh. my truck. And I was in the Navy at the time. And they said, we're looking for the funniest black comedian in San Diego. So I just called in. I didn't <laughs> say I was black or white. I mean, I did put a little bass in my voice. I like, go, hey, yeah. you Gary. Yeah, you got a contest? All right, I'm coming.
2: (laughs) Well, that's amazing.
5: So wait, what happened? I showed up, and the the crazy part is, like, I mean, San Diego wasn't, like, the competition was super steep. I mean, it wasn't, like, but Nick Cannon was in the contest, of all people. He was, like, 17. So wait, when you you won the contest and you went to get your award, did they say something like, wait a second? No. no. Here's the bad part. It wasn't, like, very organized. It wasn't, oh. like, some nationwide, they brought all the best from San Diego back. Okay. It was, like, a hip-hop station. They threw it together. Yeah, you got the title. And it was funny because I thought it was funny. That's why I put it in my bio. Okay. But it was, like, when I say it was a very bad comedy competition, like, I I, I'm, I think I'm humble, but I won by a landslide. It, ah. was not, it wasn't, like, that kind of contest where there was, like, rounds. It was, like, one night. Like 20 guys called in and showed up. I bet you half of them had little to no stage time. And it was it was kind of a train wreck, honestly.
4: You know, it's funny. I won in 1993. I won a Black History Month comedy competition, but it was the same thing. It was like I was only three years in. They were mostly new comics. There was dancers and all that stuff. Uh, but I think, you know, when, when you're a white guy and you go on in that situation, they, they had so little expectations of me on that. The fact that I was halfway decent, I think actually got me the uh, got me the trophy.
5: It, it's the opposite as a white guy. When you do those um, rooms where they don't know you, so to speak, in front of a black audience, it's the complete opposite of cancel culture. If you come in and say something completely off the wall that they're, they're not expecting oh, they're like, OK, we like this guy now. Yeah, like, man, it's the complete opposite. And
4: you were in the service at the time. Had you done stand up? Were you doing it a little bit or were you dabbling or did you want to do it?
5: Yeah, I, I went. It's weird. Like I always knew I wanted to be a stand up, but I didn't know how because I grew up in a small town in Ohio. And so I joined the Navy because it was one of those. I didn't know where I wanted to go. I just know where I didn't want to be. So yeah. don't be stuck in a small town in a trailer park. So I thought the entire state of California was L.A. I'm thinking David Lee Roth. I wish y'all could be California girls. I didn't know there was a Fresno and a yep. Baker field and all that. So when I got to San Diego, I immediately got in the phone book and I slicked up this place called Comic Castle because I was the plan was to be a stand up. But I thought you had to start in California. I didn't know you could start in whatever town you live in. Sure. I called this. um I, I called this number and I said, hey, man, you got open mic. And he was like, uh, let me check. Like, let me check. And he puts me on hold. He comes back and he goes, I can't find it. I go, what do you mean you can't find it? I called a comic book store and he was looking for a superhero named Open Mike. <laughs> 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 so, so he gave me a number to the comedy store in La Jolla. He actually was very helpful. He was like, no, no. I said, no, I'm trying to be a stand up. He goes, oh. So he goes, no, you got to call the La Jolla comedy stores. I called him and that was my first time on stage.
4: And isn't it weird? That guy probably has no idea that he helped a guy begin a career that's lasted for what, 20 something years? I don't know how long exactly you're in. I know it's over 20.
5: Yeah, yeah. So it was like, that was 96 that I made that phone call.
2: So you were uh, in Ohio watching like The Tonight Show and stuff. What comics got you interested? Was it Richard Pryor? Was, was there one specific comic that you said,
5: this is, that's what I want to do? Or you just seen stand-up comedy? It, it was two things. It was um One was when Def Comedy Jam came out, I was like, whoa, that's the reaction I want. I never seen yes. a reaction like that. But um, Eddie Murphy was probably the one because he had the 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 Raw, you know. Delirious. I was a little too young, but when Raw came out, that was like my teenage oh my years. Goodness. So that was like I was like, whoa, that was the one. But, but Def Jam was the first thing I watched, and I went, wow. And do you guys remember that commercial? Um, I've fallen and I can't get up. Oh yeah, old lady. Yeah, I remember watching like <laughs> Annie at the Improv. And I'm like in ninth or 10th grade and I was telling my buddies a joke, like in the hallway. And that night I had seen a stand-up, and literally he did the same setup and punchline that I was telling my buddies in the hallway in high school. And I went, no way. And in my brain, I go, Oh, I'm a comedian. Cause I, in my, I was thinking, I think like a comic. Yeah. I knew he was going with the bit and right there.
4: And it's funny. You said something too, that I, I really relate to. Uh, For me, it was, I'm older, so it was the reaction. It was Richard Pryor filmed live in concert. It was a concert he shot in Long Beach, California. And it was the reaction of the audience. Like, I'm like, I want to be able to do that to people. I want to be able to make people kind of physically move from laughing at something I'm saying. But it was really interesting you said that. It it was almost, not just the idea of being funny, but the idea of making people react to what I was saying like that.
5: Mm Mm-hmm. And I think that's what we and I'm sure you get this a lot too when they ask you, like, has cancel culture ruined stand-up? And I always try to tell people, I go, not live, not if you go live. And that's we're at a point you got to put the phones away. But as a comic, we we enjoy those moments when it's uncomfortable, when the crowd's going, Oh, I can't believe you said that. Like that's that's almost better than a laugh sometimes.
4: Yeah, when when you when you kind of you hit them in a way that they don't expect to be hit. And it, it is funny. It's always been something, though. I mean, you, you've, if you're from '96, you remember the. if it was political correctness at one point, there's always something that people are getting mad at comedians for. If it's not, if after cancel culture, it'll be something else. There's always going to be something that we have to kind of navigate through um, to avoid completely wrecking our careers.
2: Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> now, you do a lot of acting. I mean, I'm, I'm seeing that Dottie and Soul is coming out. It's avail, availability in, uh, what, digitally and streamed Friday. on May 19th? I want to know where that's streaming. And I want to know what that's
5: about. And then you got back on the strip that's going to be in the theaters. Could you tell us about these projects here? Well, Donnie and Soul comes out Friday. I think, yeah, it's streaming all over. But I think Amazon Prime is going to be the big one that people are going to see it.
2: Oh, nice. I have that.
5: Um, that's got, I mean, it's got David Keckner and um, Leslie Uggams and Adam Sanders. It's his first movie. He directed, wrote it. But it's basically this, um, this guy's like an Elon Musk and he's got this hot young girlfriend and they go to a Halloween party and he, he dresses up as MC Hammer and he puts shoe polish on his face and she posts it. So automatically, because oh. cancel culture goes after him, so they got to find a new they got to find a new Elon Musk to be the face of this new car company. So they hire this 70 year old black lady that basically works like in the um, the 7-Eleven within the building. And she becomes the face of the, the company. And it's just, and I'm the, David is the, 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 the asshole CEO, David Keckner, and I'm the lawyer. So it's just like the four of us. It's, it, it'll be, it's good. I, I was shocked how well it was because we shot it over COVID. So we started in March of 2020. We filmed for about a week or two. COVID shut us down. We came back like seven, eight months later. There was a resurgent. We shut down again. Then a year later, we finished it in New York. So it was like a, I felt like I was doing Avatar Castaway. It just took so long to get it done.
4: <laughs> it's funny, with Leslie Uggams, too, I haven't heard her name. in so she was Kizzy in Roots. Um, she's been around for a long, long time. She's had a very long career. And uh, I haven't heard her name in a long time. I love when I hear about people that you kind of watch when you're very young or they're young actors or actresses. And then you realize that all these years later, they're still doing it. They're still making a living doing it.
5: Yeah, she's still sharp, too. She's still sharp. And then uh, back back on the strip is um, that one's gonna be funny. It's got a uh, Tiffany Haddish and Kevin Hart's got a guest appearance in it. And then um, Bill Bellamy and Faison. and uh, uh, it's I mean it's good, Kath. That's basically 25 years ago. The Chippendales ran the Vegas Strip. They were the hottest strippers in Vegas. We were the Chalka Chips. We were the black strippers off the strip, and I was the one white chip. But nobody knew I was white because I'd spray tan my body black and I wear a wrestling mask. So we're getting the band back together because I got kicked out of the Chippendales for dancing too hard. So I'm gonna go. Well, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go over there. Appreciate hard dance. I'm going to the chocolate Chips.
4: Now this is not based on a true story, is it? No, no. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> you never know. That does sound like something somebody would have done at one point to try to to try to make money and, and make a move. Uh, do you like acting? I find like if I really love the material, I like it. But uh, I I just it's hard for me when. You can't address things the way you can as a comic. Like as a stand up, if if you're bombing or whatever, you can just address it and say it and somehow make it work. But when you're in a scene, to me, it's so much harder because you can't do that. You have to just kind of go through the scene.
5: Yeah, it's I mean stand-up stand-up is so hard. Um not hard. It's hard to get excited about stand-up anymore. Cause it, it's it's a job and you we've done it so much, it's like now you're it's no longer like when you st- open mic and you're just happy to get on stage and you get those butterflies when they call you back. And like, you got the nine ten spot tonight when you're first starting, I almost to like get that back. Um, stand up now, it's like, how much are the tickets? How many did we sell? How, who else is on the show? It's very much a business. Whereas like for acting, I mean, I get acting jobs, but I don't, it's not like I'm turning everything down and I'm reading scripts going, I don't want this. I want this. So the, to me, it's still exciting when they, when um, quote unquote, want it. When somebody calls me and right, like, hey, we want you for this part. You know, they they. So that that's exciting. Once you get on set, you're just working. The exciting part is the phone call that they want you. I guess
4: that's right. Yeah, I got it. Like they're gonna fly me somewhere. They're gonna yeah. It really is weird. No matter how long you're around, if they're flying you somewhere, you feel like I fucking made it. They're putting me on a plane to go somewhere.
5: I know. And that's probably the only thing I haven't done yet either is like gone overseas to do a film. I've been to Canada. Right. But I haven't been like, you hear about, you know, you hear other guys are going to Europe and Germany and Australia and stuff. I haven't had that happen yet. So,
4: um, How nice is it to have two things coming out at pretty close in time? Does that, does that make you just feel busy? And when you have a couple of things happening at once, one coming out the other, it just feels good to know that you got shit going on in your career.
5: Yeah, and it's crazy. Both of them have been like finished for over a year and a half. So you're just kind of just, we've just been kind of waiting. You know what I mean? But yeah. I'm excited about them both. They should be pretty good.
2: And what about the fights? Do you watch the fights a lot? Do you watch MMA a lot or no?
5: Yeah, that's I mean, I'm I'm diehard because I, I I was grew up boxing, but then they don't they don't fight each other like that and they don't have the you know, they don't have the reality show that got me excited. Cause I was shooting little man in Vancouver, Ultimate Fighter Two, and that was when I think it was the Josh Koshik um season and uh I remember the black guy with the blonde hair. That's all I remember. Yeah, uh, Yeah. We didn't have a lot of channels. So for some reason we were getting the ultimate fighter and that's what got me like into the UFC. And I like how you guys fight each other. The best guys fight each other.
4: Yeah. That's what I hate about boxing too, is it just took too long to make fights happen. I had even less faith in those judges than I do in, uh, in the judging and MMA. Uh, Very, very frustrating. What do you think of uh, Diaz against uh, Jake Paul as far as boxing is concerned? Um, I mean, Jake Paul, I think, is a lot better than people want him to be because people don't like him and they think they want to see him get his ass kicked. But I think he can handle himself better than people think. Um, What do you think he he does against Nate Diaz?
5: That's an interesting one because I've never seen Nate Diaz. Nate Diaz has never been, like, knocked cold. So it's it's weird. I can't even visualize him just getting – I can't see him doing, like, a Ben Askren and just getting knocked out. I just can't see it until it happens. So it makes me wonder, is it like, you know, uh, Nate is like always in shape. He's stronger at the end of the fight than beginning. Like the longer it goes, I wonder if Nate just, it could end up being like the, honestly, the Leon Edwards UFC fight where Nate just like boom, boom, boom. And at the end, he'll have his moment and he might not win the decision, but he'll probably walk away like, yeah, you know, I, I didn't make myself look bad.
4: What do you think, Matt? Is, is it one of those things where cause his hands are so good, but are, are they also better in MMA than they will be in boxing because he's worn you down, grinding you up against the cage, something you can't really do in boxing because the threat of the takedown or how good he is on the floor? All these things that kind of go into, like you have to worry about so many different things with Nate, but when you're boxing, you basically just have to worry about his hands.
2: Yeah, but unlike, unlike Ben Askren, or even, I don't, I'm not sure about Tyron Woodley. I know he had power, but... I don't know how many professionals he dealt with. I know that Nate Diaz straight up sparring boxing worked with world champions. Yeah. I don't, I don't want to mm-hmm. th- throw the wrong name out there. Andre, he's Andre Ward, yeah, see, I was going to say that and our producer confirmed it. I just wasn't uh, sure of it. So yeah, he's, wor- he's worked in that field with, with, you know, a straight up boxing. So, He's not going to be a novice to it. It's not like he's just an MMA guy going, okay, I have to remember not to kick or do a double leg. He knows how to box. You know what I mean? So I think he's going to uh, outlast them. And it, I, I wonder how many rounds it is. Do we even know? what's up?
4: I don't know. I'm not sure.
2: The longer the better for Diaz.
5: Right.
4: You know? oh, hold on. Let's see. Uh, Jake is telling us it's going to take, pl- oh, take place at 185. Oh, okay. Yeah, Jake. How, how many rounds? And uh, I'm, I'm kind of curious about that. Hey, Gary, did you ever train or anything?
5: Uh yeah, i have I'm i have done. Um, I used I'm I used to be real good friends with Winky Wright, so I used to go to a couple of his fights, but it was towards the tail end of his career. But every time I go to St. Pete, we'd uh he'd put me in the gym and stuff. Never got hit. It's just straight mitts. I was yeah. like no, I'm not sparring. I'm not that dude. But yeah,
4: it's it's one of those things where I, I've always said I wanted to do it. I just never like just just for self defense and just to kind of you know because you never know it's some fucking lunatic. I don't necessarily worry about on stage because there's usually other people there, but, you know, I, I haven't had any real physical problems on stage. Have you had any physical confrontations?
5: Uh, not like that. I mean, I've, I've always had people like try to come up on stage. It doesn't happen a lot. And it's more early in your career than later in your career. Yeah. I mean, we've all had those, you know, drunk guys and then you get on them a little too hard and then they act, they act like they're going to come on stage, but they really don't want to, you know? <laughs> Not to bring it
2: up again, but isn't it crazy how everybody just despises Will Smith now after he did that (laughs) to fucking Chris Rock? He was the most loved guy. He was the most fucking I Am Legend fucking all the bad boys movies. Everybody loved him. Fresh Prince. Everybody can't. I can't stand the guy now. I can't even look at him. I I feel like a cuckold. But I don't know.
4: I think it's because of who he did it against. Like if he had slapped a guy like Rogan. A, a, a guy, a guy who everyone knows could smash his teeth. People would go, "All right, well, he just got mad." But there seemed to be a bullying thing, like you know, you're a much bigger guy than he is, and you wouldn't have done it to certain guy. I think that's what it is as well. What do you think?
5: Yeah, and it was such a of all the things. It wasn't even really a put down, right? Like G.I. Jane. I, if you got a chick that looks like G.I. Jane, I'm like, that's a compliment. Yeah, that's, I didn't understand. I go, was like, that wasn't a put down there. We all know like as comedians we could really go for the jugular and that that was very pg-ish yeah that wasn't that harsh
4: yeah when you when you get it's funny you said that too because i got i had a couple walk out one time and i was kind of a dick to them as they left but i had been taking it easy on her because the wife was heckling and the dumb husband's trying to defend her and he got really mad at me but i'm like i know that i could really smash her and i'm actually being a lot more gentle than i want to be because i figure you're in a bad position So some people read that, they don't realize how mean you actually want to be and how harsh something you say could be. And it's like, I'm I'm hitting you at a three instead of an eight or a nine, and you're still getting angry about it. So yeah, you're right. That was a very mild joke that didn't deserve any kind of reaction.
5: That is funny you say that because I've done that. I've I've had people in the audience and the mate has kept me from really going where I want to go because I'm like, ah, I feel bad. or, Or it'd be like a drunk wife and the husband's actually laughing and he's trying to help you. And you yeah. feel so bad for him, and you just kind of fall back. Yeah, I've, 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 I've done it before too. Yeah,
4: That's well, you sense you. the the guy's in a bad position, if, if the guy's being a dick, you go after both of them. But if the guy's like, uh you, you put yourself in the position of being out with this loud asshole, and you're like, oh, how embarrassing! He's probably yeah. humiliated.
2: Sometimes, sometimes you're in a car, and there's a, a woman driving, and then she's and the husband or the boyfriend's next to her, like, and you see, you're like, I'm like, I's that before like that? Where I'm just like, ah, oh, dude, don't. Don't do this to your boyfriend. Don't do this. Hey, when you're in when you're in the UFC ring, can you hear hecklers in the middle of a fight? Sometimes you hear weird things. I don't yeah. know why. Yeah, yeah.
0: I, I, remember, I, make- I remember
2: I remember I was fighting Carol Parisian and Matt Hughes had the belt. And I remember we were circling at one point and somebody's like, yeah, Hughes will beat both of them. I'm like, you motherfucker <laughs> <laughs> fighting this judo expert now you cocksucker. Leave me alone. But uh um, <laughs> You know, it's weird how you hear weird things sometimes. Well, hey, when I fought St. Pierre and a a, a fucking deaf man could have heard the chants of fuck you, Sarah, in Montreal. (laughs) So, you know, I couldn't hear Ray Longo, who's a loud Italian gentleman screaming at me in the corner. I could not hear him with the chants around us. Even George said to this day, he fought in front of double the crowd. That was 20,000. He fought in front of like 100,000, more than triple. And uh, he said he's never had an audience louder than that. They fucking hated me,
5: but, uh, you know, you're all cool now. Yeah. <laughs> you hear you know, some that was cool about, um, that was always cool about the, the bubble when they were going over to Abu Dhabi. Cause you could hear the coaches on the instruction. Yep. You could hear the elbows hitting. I think mean, you heard everything.
2: felt like that and on top on, on the ultimate fighter. When I fought on the ultimate fighter, that's what it was like. It's like, you're in a warehouse. It felt illegal. It's like, yo, what the fuck <laughs> Dean Thomas. Dean Thomas was like, Hey Matt on the ultimate fighter. Cause it was like, you know, we used to fight in front of people. So when we first fought there in season four, he goes, "Matt, man, this is—it's all quiet. You hear everything. There's a bunch of rich white people around the thing. This feels wrong." This feels, $10, $10 <laughs> is fucking hysterical. But Isn't it, it hard?
5: does. Is it harder to fight in front of no audience, like the Ultimate Fighter, than to be in front of you know fifteen thousand people? Oh, it's—is it harder? I'm gonna say. I'm gonna say it's it's it
2: feels like a a glorified sparring session because that's kind of how sparring is sometimes, especially sometimes where maybe Longo when I was training he'd take me over to let's say New, Lou Negley's school uh, gym in, in Brooklyn just to get a different body, a different feel. So you walk in there, it's quiet, and you spar. So it's like it's more it felt like a like a more of like a intense sparring session than a fight. And if that makes sense, you know, it, it was different though for sure. But as far as watching it. I enjoy both. I like sometimes when it's on the apex, when it's a little quieter yeah, compared to the big stadium, sometimes other times I love the big stadium with the crowd. So I love it all. I just love the fighting so much fun. Yeah.
4: But I do, I did like, it's funny how fast we got used to that. Fighting in that bubble, like and hearing the coaches, and again, like you said, hearing the the shots and the punches. And I didn't, I missed the crowd at first, and then I was just like, "Fuck it!" I like that I'm hearing this stuff now too. And uh, championship fights had the same pressure as any other championship fight. And then the crowds came back, and you like, "Oh yeah, I really did miss that." But I do kind of miss hearing the instructions and the and the shots and all the little things you would pick up watching it when it was uh, either in the Apex or in in, uh, in that bubble.
5: Yeah, I hope that never happens to stand up. I hope we never have to, like, run a bubble with water. Well, you guys were at drive throughs and shit like that during
2: the uh, – you guys I, had to do stuff like that. I
4: didn't do I didn't any know. of that. Did you do any of those shows, Guy? I, I, uh, I did a lot of broadcasting, but I didn't do any stand-up on Zoom.
5: No, I didn't do any of that. Mm-mm. I got asked, and I was like, I'm just going to wait it out. I'm just going to wait it out.
4: Yeah, it's humiliating enough to not have a good show when there's people in the room, much less a screen where you can just see a bunch of people looking. I don't need to see their faces that clearly if they're not enjoying me. Um, I like to convince myself that half the room is at least. Um, right. All right, let's, let's get the final plug in, too, because our, our show is almost over. I want to make sure we can see uh, these projects you're working on. Uh, chocolate Chips, when does that come out?
5: It's called Back on the Strip
4: Sorry.
5: with the Chocolate Chips. I think it's uh, August 18th. I think it just came out. It, it just—that's when it's getting released. I think it's going all the theaters too.
4: Oh, it's going to be an in-theater release, okay? Yeah. And this Friday, what can they see this Friday? You said Amazon Prime, I think, is the place for this uh, most this recent one.
5: Yeah, it's called Dottie and Soul. So it's a good. It's a good movie, man. I went to the screen a couple weeks ago, and I was like, oh, okay, this turned out because it was so spaced out. Yeah, you yeah. know what to expect. And you're shooting at a sequence. And I go, oh, OK, they have some good editors on this. They put it together nicely.
4: Isn't it nice when you watch yourself because you have so little control over the edit and they put it together and you go, fuck, actually, all right, good. I look good there. I did. I, I did a good job. It's It's so terrifying when you're acting for that reason, because you can't control it after you do it.
5: And you forget some of your ad-libs. You go, oh, okay. I forgot about that. You pat yourself like, oh, that's a good one, Gary. Way to come up with that. <laughs>
4: <laughs> Gary, it was good talking to you again, man. Come back again. Don't wait so long to, uh, this time. And, and let's do it again soon. I mean, we would love that you're a big Fight fan. And uh, anytime you need to come on and promote, feel free. All
5: right. I appreciate you guys. Thank you. Okay, right, buddy. Gary. Good talking to you. Take, Take care, care, buddy.
2: All, All right, man. Matt. Hey, dude, listen. Yeah. I think, uh, oh, really quick. Let's just recap sure. a few of those fights. A few of them, a few of them. Sure. Oh,
4: I actually forgot about recapping the fights. Yeah, that's
2: okay. That's okay. We, went we could little- have
4: done that with Gary, too. I totally forgot. We did Smith against Johnny. We talked about for a second. But uh, what do you think of uh, now Almeida? I, I mean, again, he's, I think he's only been hit with two significant strikes in his UFC short uh, career so far. If I read that correctly,
2: I'm a jujitsu freak. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. Keep taking him down, keep subbing him. You know, he's explosive standing on his feet, also. But he shot in somebody, it's funny. One of the, I forgot which one. They like, yo, he shot in like Randy kato versus James Tony. <laughs> like he yeah, shot just, uh, he wasn't yeah. playing, he wasn't playing on the feet at all. But hey, you're that explosive, man. You want to come in and wrap him up. It's like they said he lassoed his legs. It was awesome. And uh he made it look very easy uh, i can't wait to see what's next for him you know you know i'm a jiu jitsu fan and he just passed that guard so methodical got the mount position he was it was just took the back it was just jiu jitsu 101 right again. right right beautiful, beautiful. i know Harzinho tried to um he tried to stay calm but there's different levels and the levels were just it was too different Other yeah
4: people. staying so, calm wasn't enough against him
2: and and Almeida's smart. Almeida's saying he wants Taya to, uh, to Ivasa next. To Ivasa, yep. So, hey man, that's a good call out because we know that he—that's not his expertise on the floor, and he's got a big name. He's a big slugger, yep. and uh, if he doesn't land that shot, chances is chances are same thing can happen to him like it would happen to Rosa Strike. So, yeah, smart call out for Almeida. Anthony Smith was game, and when he got that takedown, he battled through that takedown for the first round. I'm like, all right. Maybe if he does some damage, he could win this round and then you know, all is not lost at least, or or you know, make it more competitive. But then at the very last 10 seconds, uh, Johnny Walker in that first round not only got up but took him down to sort of stamp on that first round, yeah. And again, I agree. I heard some of the post fight stuff with Dana saying that Johnny Walker won. He got the W, but he he felt like he could have put him away. I think in that last round, if there was a twenty to thirty percent increase in in activity, he could have put him away. I feel like Anthony is—he's never looking for a way out, but he was at that door. He just needed to get pushed right through it. You know? What yeah, I'm
4: you're right. And they did. I I thought that he took the foot off the gas a little bit. And I don't know why he did it, but you're right. I, I thought he might've been able to put him away or come very, very close to it. And it seemed like he backed up a little bit, like he was content just to kind of not do anything reckless. Um, so yeah, I, I, I noticed the same thing while they were fighting. And by the way, we have to take off, uh, I mean, I take off, uh, we have to take off our hat to fucking uh, Matt Brown, that, that first yeah. round short right to court McGee. And I love, see, I love the fact like you, you always have to let the ref stop it, but he just saw the way court felt that that fight was over and he knew he was knocked out. I, I love that. But i very happy for Matt Brown.
2: He tied the most knockouts in UFC 17, it was, right? I think it's, I think it's 13, but maybe Oh, was a
4: 13. You might be right, Matt. It's 13, 13. Sorry. Yeah.
2: Um, and also getting back to Johnny Walker for his first of all, props to Matt Brown. Very, very impressive. Uh, but really back to that, um, uh, Johnny Walker fight. What makes sense is, and I mean, Jake, the producer, wrote this that that fight was supposed to be a main event. Yeah, are so thinking five, that it might have was supposed to be five rounds. Maybe that has something to do with the pacing of Johnny Walker because he was extremely patient and didn't really. But I mean, again, he had the juice. Yeah, I, he definitely had the juice. to, I think I to to put him either if not put him away, try to put him away. Sure, and he didn't. So you know. It is what he still looked great. Uh, I like when he would do the low calf slot kick and he'd do it twice in a row. He to do, he'd do it yeah. twice. He is, he's a freak. He's athletic and uh, props to not only him, but to his coach, uh, Kavanaugh. Right. Because he's, you know, I mean, he uh, you know, we, we, we gets props for Connor, but he works with other people and he's doing fantastic. We have to mention Ian Gary because that guy, that kid, oh.
5: that, that, <laughs> that, <laughs> yes. that kid,
2: I mean, he took out Daniel Rodriguez. Yep. Style. I love the way he was kicking to the body, kicking to the body, kicking to the body. It's not going to the body now. Now it's going right to the dome. So it was strategic. Uh, he, for a young kid, 25 years old, he's really um, an intelligent fighter. I like his fight IQ, and he is dangerous. And Daniel Rodriguez is a guy with a lot of experience. Yes. Uh, he, and, and, you know, it was a stand up battle, and Ian just looked phenomenal yes how and tall i is he, by the way what we, buddy how tall is he
4: um Gary, i don't know his
2: height he's 6'3 okay as a welterweight i won the title at the welterweight 5'6 i'd have to fucking use his bowls as a speed bag <laughs>
4: <laughs> or, a, or a hat
2: i'm sorry yeah. anyway
4: just, I, I, we also, too, I meant to ask Cody Garbrandt about this, Mac, because on his Twitter, he had, he was very annoyed about the Cody Stamen loss to uh, uh, Douglas Silva D'Andrage. Uh He thought it was kind of a robbery, and a lot of people thought there was a 10 8 round in the third. I watched that fight uh, twice. I thought uh, Silva DeAndraj actually won that fight. Um, I did not think that round three was a 10 8. I thought it was, a, it was a very strong round for Stamen. But DeAndreas fought back enough and landed enough good shots for that to be a 10 9. And I thought he absolutely outstruck him in the first two. So I thought that was the right decision. Um, a lot of people got on the judges for that. But I thought that uh, Silva deAndre won the fight.
2: Some people have a short memory and they remember how a fight ends, not how it begins. Yeah. It's again, all right, this guy's ending strong, but what happened prior? Sure. So you can understand Cody's thing like, man, if I just had more time or another round, but you don't. And now. We can't. If we tried to play catch up and you and did a mighty good job of trying to do that, but uh, maybe a little, a little too little, a little too late, you know what I mean? Yeah, um, but uh, I agree
4: with the decision, even though it was a great fight, I, I thought that was the right move.
2: And by the way, Brian Battle, 14 seconds. He's, I mean, he's, he's been on here before, Brian. Uh, that was great. And yeah. Gabe Reed, listen, man, you can't say he didn't bring it, he brought it for 14 seconds.
4: Dude, they were saying, they, they, I mean, I think Dominic was saying, it's one of those things where it's two guys in a phone booth, whoever just lands first. It's one of those, they're both swinging hard. Whoever gets caught first is probably going to drop, and that was what happened.
2: Hey, that's true. And, and, but props, man. Yes. Listen, man, there's a new female fighter in town. Listen, Lisbo- uh, Lisboa. Lisboa, was that her first fight in the UFC? It was her first fight in the UFC. I uh, want
4: to know in the UFC,
2: yes. She looked awesome. And she was Jessica Rose Clark yep. trying to get that fight to the floor and had a really hard time trying to get it there. Really hard time. And then and then finally, in the last round, she got a um, a, a rear naked choke. Yeah. Lisboa, but, but standing up, she was winning the battles. She, was, she won the battle with the wrestling. She got a nice uh, wizard takedown. Uh, and she showed she was hard to get taken down and very accurate punches and bunches. It was, it was very impressive for her first. Yeah. Very, I was very impressed for her first.
4: First UFC fight? Yeah, guess, especially against someone like Jessica Rose Clark, who has <laughs> yes, had uh, yes. quite a few. I mean, she's had uh, nine UFC That was her ninth UFC fight.
2: Uh, two more I want to talk about. Uh, Carlos Oberg. Listen. Yep. Dude, first of all, the guy could be a male model. He's walking around like this guy. You think, <laughs> oh, Maybe he doesn't want it as much because he could always retire and be the next Zoolander. No, he's a bad motherfucker.
4: Yes, and he is.
2: I'll tell you right now, uh, the timing. But, um, was it a check hook? I'm, oh, man, what was it? What, what did he hit him with?
4: Um, I don't remember, to be honest uh, with you. I'm working
2: together with another fight now. I got to – it was – because Johnny Walker had something similar when Anthony Smith was coming in. I believe it was. I'm, I'm pretty sure it was a hook when he was coming in, but man, did he! He just looked. He is so on point with his strikes. Very accurate and very dangerous. Man, I, I, I where is what's his UFC record? He's
4: five and one in the UFC. Ten and one overall.
2: Well, he's looking like a. He's looking amazing. And that's yes, that's he is. Awesome. And uh, did you and want to it, mention Tim um, Means
4: against uh, Morano?
2: Tim Means, first of all. Always a dog in a fight. Yeah. Oh, a bad, bad, dirty bird. Did they call him Dirty Bird? Is that his nickname? I think it is. Is it Dirty Bird? Let us make that up. What's Tim's nickname? It up. I think it's Dirty. Is it, not, is it Dirty Bird? or not? I just literally made that up because I'm looking at my bird now. It is Dirty Bird. Yes, it is bird. Dirty Bird. You yeah. crazy. You're looking at me like you want to peck at me. Listen, <laughs> Jimmy, I, love Jimmy, I love you. Jimmy, I love you. Listen, it is Dirty Bird. And he looked good. Yeah. Uh, but Alex Marino... Morano, Murano yeah listen he's been on the show before he is how many losses do you have in the UFC he
4: uh, is uh 12 and five right. in the UFC he's had now, 17 in UFC last, fights.
2: in his last how many fights he has he's like one and five in his last how many fights so like um two, two, three, uh, Pons, he lost to
4: Pozanbio but he was four and one in his last five yeah
2: yeah okay I was close. he had a
4: great right. 20 uh 2021
2: in his fight with Pozanbio he was winning until he wasn't until he hit until he got caught yeah so you know I was in the third round and that's a fight that he was winning so he is really looking awesome he missed a back a spinning back fist and Tim went under it right into a guillotine and it was all she wrote so to have that type of his striking is so good and to have that type of guillotine almost like Hia yeah. makano when you have that type of guillotine a or Brian Ortega it's such a it's a fight ender. It's like that gets under your yeah. t- that gets around your neck, man. You better hope you're Habib versus fucking uh, Dustin Poirier. You know how to get out of that shit because it could be all she wrote. So I was and- very impressed with Alex. Happy for Safe Said, and uh, good stuff, man.
4: It yeah. has to suck too when when you go for a guillotine like that. And, and like, you know, just watching as a fight, it's so stressful to watch that when you see the neck beginning to clear and the head pops up. That, that has to be so, I mean, physically, I know it, it's really hard on your arms to, to, to come so close and have somebody pop their head out. Uh, it has to really suck as a fighter.
2: It does suck. But with, when you're watching it, it's very, when I'm watching it and you see the head almost popping out, that's when it gets on the tightest. So that's why I'm really? like, oh, is he surviving it or is he going to go out? I don't know what's going to happen. So it gets exciting. Jimmy. Yes, buddy. At 3.20 today, I am doing our good friend Dean Thomas's podcast.
4: Oh, tell him I said hello. I love Dean Thomas, as you know. I,
2: want to, I will tell him, and I want to do three things before that. Do you know what those three things are? Uh,
4: have a coffee, take a shit, and um, I can't think of the third thing. Smoke pot. I take. Here's what you're going to do. You're going to smoke, take a shit, and have a an espresso. I'm
2: doing two of them now. I'm doing okay.
4: You're shitting months. right now and you're just drinking coffee.
2: <laughs> I, the three things, Jimmy, was taco, poopy duty. So, yes, it's the one thing I had to do. And, uh,
4: okay. You
2: know, the great Mel Brooks. Listen, Jimmy- I have to
4: plug something.
2: Plug it.
4: This Wednesday, every week has been selling out. Fat Black Pussycat doing my hour. This weekend, I'm on the road again. Bethlehem, PA is almost sold out. There's a couple of tickets left for Friday night in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. And Saturday in New Jersey, I am at the, uh, the uh, Wellmont Theater in Montclair. So come out. Uh, the tickets have sold very well there, too. So it's nice to see. Uh, but those are the two gigs I have this week.
2: Jimmy, man, I got one gig. It's Sarah BJJ. I'm there every fucking day. People come in. What are you doing here? I go, this is what I do. That's I it. make good people dangerous. All right. Anyway, by the way, call Jedi. I did.
4: I already texted with him.
2: What a nice guy. He's yeah, a, yeah, yeah. He's a sweetheart. I'm so excited for your journey in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. And we'll keep yep. the audience. I'm just letting them know. I'm not getting too much. We'll let them know about your journey as you uh, progress on it.
4: As I start, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, I've already reached out. We've already uh, gone back and forth. So yeah, very nice guy. Very
2: um, nice Um he didn't want okay. to charge you. He goes, "No, friend." I go, "Dude."
4: Oh uh, no, no. Of course he has to charge me. Come on, um, he's not gonna
2: wanna,
4: you know. No, I would, I wouldn't do that. Like, um, because again, I don't want to feel guilty taking up someone's time. Um, and I want to take more than one. Like, you know, I like privates are, are good for me because I can uh, the schedule. You can just do like when I have time, um, as opposed to classes because I'm on the air in the morning. I can't do morning classes.
2: Hey Jimmy, standing yes, sir. update. Jim is eighteen and eleven in picks. And Maddie
4: is 14 out of 15. Wow. Wait, no, no, 14 and 15, not 14 out of 15. Wait, oh,
2: I read
4: that. Oh, is that, is that out of 29? Yeah. But look at Matt making it. <laughs> Jimmy, Jimmy has lost 11. Me. I've only got one. <laughs> you bullshitter. <laughs> I'm shocked that I'm 18 and 11, but Matt's picks have been so good. Like again, uh, uh, let me see. Overgone has the score at Jim 66.25 to Matt sixty three. I, I don't know what the, fuck.
2: the. I don't. Hey Jake, we don't know what the I, fuck you're talking about. What those points mean? I
4: don't know what those points mean.
2: Just say who's getting them right and wrong. Can you just keep yeah. Yeah. I mean, what? I
4: happen to be very good at just guessing. Uh, with points these f-
2: for accurately predicting. Who, who came up with that? Oh, I
4: like that. Okay. You Why? know what? Can you give us the point system next week on Wednesday? I don't mind a point system. Makes it uh, more interesting.
2: It does make it interesting.
4: And, and uh, you're good uh, at that. You're good at that.
2: He is good at that. You. Yeah, Jimmy, I had so much fun, man.
4: No, Matt, you're good at that. You're good at making these... Oh. By round picks, you you your analysis of fights will always be better than mine, and, and you've made some great picks, so that should be taken into credit. Half the times I'm just going, I think he's due for a win. It's hard to pick with these guys; they're they're also fucking good, and any one of them can beat you anyway. Court McGee could have fucking dragged, uh, uh Matt Brown to the floor and done damage and worn him out, and he got caught coming. You know, it is what it is. So it's hard to pick.
2: Dude, that's why we watch the uh the fuck. that's why we watch the uh. The Jimmy. Thank you
4: to Gary Owen. I uh, love Gary Owen. Always a great guest. And, and, and he was fun to have on. And of course, the great Cody Garban. So happy for that win over, uh, over Trevin Jones. And uh, I'll see you in two days.
2: I'll see you then, Jimmy. Can't wait. Bye, young fella. Bye, everyone.
0: The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed?